Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. Well, good morning. You've stayed real nice and warm this week, haven't you? Yeah, it's been great, been great. We're looking at what's in a name. What's in a name? Uh, Real important in Scripture, names had great meaning. Last week, we looked at the name Jesus. Savior, take away our sins. This morning, we're going to look at Christ or Messiah. Those two mean the same, and I'll explain that in a moment. But let's begin looking at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Verse 16 of Matthew 1. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And uh, all those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, that the, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, here he is, the Messiah. John chapter 1 verse 14 gives us another insight into this name. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So the Greek word is Christos, Christ. It appears over 550 times in the New Testament. The Hebrew word is Messiah. They both mean the same, the anointed one. The one anointed chosen, authorized by God, empowered by God's Spirit to deliver His people from their sins, Jesus, establish His kingdom. And so, we have Christ the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Christ Mus, Christ the Anointed One, Mass, celebration, celebrating the Anointed One the one that has been appointed, the one that has been chosen, the one that has been given. Jesus, one day at the beginning of His ministry, was in the temple, and He began reading from Luke chapter 4, verse 17. The scroll of the Isaiah the prophet was handed to Him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So, this anointing. In the Old Testament, this anointing was demonstrated by oil. You would rub oil on something, pour oil over something. That was anointed. It was set apart. It was chosen. It was for this purpose. And so when we talk about Christ, when we talk about Messiah, what we're saying is that God sent Jesus, appointed Him, anointed Him to do a work that no one else could do. Now in the Old Testament, there were three groups of people that were anointed, that were, had oil poured over them, that were chosen, set apart by God. We're going to look at them this morning because they're going to give us insight into who Jesus is and who this Christ, the Messiah, is. 
So the first one is, Christ as a prophet reveals God's Word to me. The prophet, the prophet was chosen, the prophet was anointed. Old Testament, the prophets spoke for God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 14. The nations you're about to displace consult sorcerers, fortune tellers, astronomers, go to your horoscope, choose them, huh? The Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Now stop for a moment because we usually when we read the word prophet or hear the word prophet, here's what we think, someone who predicts the future. But that's not what a prophet is. The prophet might do that, but what the prophet does is proclaim a message. He preaches. He proclaims it. So, Moses, the prophet of God, was there because God spoke through him to talk to the children of Israel. And so, verse 16, this is what yourselves requested, the Lord your God, when you assembled on Mount Sinai, you said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see His blazing fire. We're all going to die. They heard this rumbling coming out of the mountain. It scared them to death. Lord said to me, what they've said is right. They will. They're not careful. I will raise up a prophet like you from among the fellow Israelites, I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. So all throughout the Old Testament, what you have is prophets, men of God uses to speak his message to the nation Israel. Now the problem is this. They didn't always listen, did they? In fact, a lot of times they didn't listen, did they? You know, he, he, they didn't listen. So, They were anointed, chosen, set apart by God to be a prophet, to speak God's message to God's people. Jesus Christ comes into this world to speak God's message to God's people. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. So what we know is that Jesus Christ came into this world to bring us a message that was given by God for us so that you and I could be saved. That's what the Messiah did. That's what Christ is about, anointed to proclaim God's Word. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Very simply this, I can personally hear God. Now, we talked about this a while back, but I'm just going to repeat some things probably, but that's okay because you probably haven't remembered a while back, so um, we'll just say it again, all right? God speaks to us through His Spirit oftentimes in our lives. In fact, as a Christian, I believe God is speaking more than we realize. I believe His Spirit constantly through our mind gives us thoughts that are godly that He wants us to listen to. I don't need to go to somebody else and say, would you tell me what God is saying? God speaks to me. Now, God might speak to me through another person, 
but that'll never go against what he's saying to me. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and, I fo- and they follow me. So I can hear God when I read God's Word. Suddenly a verse or a word jumps out at the page at me. God's speaking to me, isn't He? Take this verse. Don't forget it. Apply it. Put it to use in your life. I can hear God's Word through preaching and teaching. I can hear God's Word through the Holy Spirit. So God is here in us, speaking to us on a daily basis. You and I just have to learn to listen. Now, this listening thing is a little different because as uh, I've gotten older, I've learned that suddenly things are a little different. And my wife doesn't talk like she used to. She mumbles a lot. And she'll be saying something, and I will say, I can't hear you. That's really not true. I can hear you. I don't have a clue as to what you're saying. And I think that's sometimes the way it is with God, His voice speaking to us. Okay, I hear you. I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. And we don't take the time to calm down, to slow down, and to pay attention to what he has to say. And many times, oh God, please speak to me. And we're waiting for this audible voice. I have never heard an audible voice. I have had thoughts that were clearly God. I knew I wasn't that smart. I knew that wasn't something I wanted to do, but I knew it was right. And so, God is speaking. When Jesus Christ came into this world, He spoke volumes. You see, when He came into the world, He was saying to us, God loves you. Listen to Him. He taught. Here's God's principles. Listen to them. And sometimes the problem is we don't want to hear God. Sometimes we don't like what he's saying. And if we don't like what he's saying, I don't want to hear it. But I am here to tell you today that Christ is speaking to us. And you can hear him if you'll listen. And that's his name. I'm anointed. I've been anointed to be a prophet to you to speak God's Word to you so that you can hear God and obey. That's pretty cool. That God loves us that much and cares about us that much that He still is talking to us. Now, please understand something because, well, I had this thought and I really think it's God. God will never contradict Himself. If it goes contrary to what God's Word says, you didn't hear God. You just heard the pepperoni from last night's pizza or something. It wasn't God. And so you come to that place where you recognize, okay, God sent Christ to speak to me. And he's still speaking. And he's still talking. And I can personally hear him. 
if I'll listen. Now, here's the other thing. When you listen, you have to listen with an attitude of obedience. God, if you'll speak, I'll obey. It's not, God, if you speak, I'll decide whether I like it or not. And many times, our busyness drowns out God's voice. Many times, our disobedience drowns out God's voice. And we become no different than the children of Israel when the prophets came to them and spoke. And they rejected what they heard because they didn't like it. And God will tell you at times things you don't care for, but they will always be for your good and your best. There's a second person that was anointed in the Old Testament. It was the priest. Christ, as priest, reconciles God and me. And so he was came as the priest. He came as a prophet. The prophets were anointed. The priests were anointed. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, you see, in the Old Testament, God dwelt in the tabernacle or the temple. In that place, there was a curtain that was hung and a separate room where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that was God's presence there. Children of Israel, when they went and pray, they looked towards Jerusalem. Why? Because God's presence was there. Once a year, one time a year, one priest would go behind that curtain and offer a sacrifice for the sins of all of Israel. But God was back there And they, the priest, were the ones that you took your sacrifice to, and they took it and sacrificed it for you as a mediator, as a go-between, between you and God. And that was the priest's function. You can't get to God. God's back here. But bring your sacrifice. We will offer it for you to help you find God and get to God. They were the go-between that was there. Well, you know what? Jesus Christ is our access to God. He is the one that brings us into him. In Mark, in, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. So dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain in the most holy place. See, the curtain's gone. Jesus is in his place. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Jesus says, you want to get to the Father? Come through me. And you and I get to go into God's very presence. That's really cool. So, what I understand is, as Christ, I can enter into God's presence. God is not behind a curtain anymore. God is not in some faraway, unreachable place. Oh, God, would you please just come here and help me? God says, I'm here. 
And as Christians, I don't need to go to someone else to get to God. Because I'm a Christian and Jesus Christ has saved me, I now have access into the very presence of God and I get to go to Him without fear. Well, I need someone better than me to go there. The only one better than you is Jesus Christ, the anointed one. He's the one who gives us access into the Father. Well, I'm not perfect. He is. And when I go through Him, He covers my sins, doesn't He? And so I get to walk into the presence of God. That means just as God is speaking to me on a regular basis daily, God is also present for me on a daily basis. I am never alone. I never have to beg God, oh God, would you please come down here and help me? God is here. His presence is here. He cares for us. He loves us. His Holy Spirit resides in us. The Spirit of God is God Himself living in me, so God is with me. Well, you know, I'm afraid I might ask for something wrong. He's a loving Father, and a loving Father knows how to say no sometimes, doesn't He? But He still wants us to come and ask, right? Well, I don't deserve it. You're right, you don't. But because of what Jesus Christ did, He is the one who is anointed that allows us access into the very presence of God. No longer is God behind a curtain situated in one place. Now God is in each and every one of us and with us all the time, and I get to go talk to the Father because of what Christ has done for me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same feelings we do, yet he didn't sin. So let us come boldly to the throne, to the presence, in other words. Let us come boldly into the presence of our gracious God. And notice what it says. There we will receive His mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. Notice what it doesn't say. Let's come into the very presence to the throne of our gracious God, and there He will condemn you and make you feel guilty and tell you you're not worthy doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? There, when you come into His presence, what are you going to receive? Mercy, grace to help you when you need it most. I need it most, most days. And the writer says, look, God's here. You have access into Him. You have the key that unlocks the door that brings you into God's very presence, and you don't need to beg and borrow. You don't need to kind of feel unworthy. You come in with the respect that He deserves, but you come in because of what Christ has done. And Christ is the priest who is the one who brings us and gives us access to the presence of God. So when we say Christ, when we say Messiah, the anointed one, he's been anointed 
chosen by God to speak God's Word to us. He's been anointed by God to give us access into God's very presence. Thirdly, Christ as King rules in my life. Remember one day the prophet showed up at this home and said to the father, look, one of your boys is going to be the next king and went through the line and none was there. And he says, there's another one. He goes, somebody out in the field, got a sheep, you know, he's watching them, bring him in. And David walks in and the prophet does what? Pours oil over his head. He anoints him. What's that oil say? You are chosen by God to be the next king. Christ has been chosen by God to be the next king and to rule in our life. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Notice what he says. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus, Savior, He will be very great, will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom never ends. Wow. Now, you see, Israel was looking for a Messiah. Israel was looking for another king. Israel wanted someone to do this. But Israel had a problem. They were looking for someone to come in, sit on a throne, rule the world, and restore Israel as the one who rules over everything. The disciples were constantly, well, can I sit at your right hand? Can I be here? When's your kingdom coming here on earth? And Jesus kept talking about a kingdom. And everybody, yeah, we want that kingdom. Yes, we're ready for that kingdom. We're, we're behind you. We'll, we'll pick up the swords. We'll come along with you. And Jesus said, yes, good. My kingdom's going to come. My kingdom is here. And they go, where? And they were talking about a physical kingdom. And he was talking about a spiritual kingdom. And that's where the troubles were. Not a kingdom based on material and external power but on the rule of truth and righteousness. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us to believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that Christ raised from the dead and seated Him in the place of God's honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Now he's far above any ruler and authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's why we call him Lord. You're the ruler. You're the master. You're the one in control. You're the one who has a right to rule over this earth. But let's condense that a little bit. You're the one who has the right to rule over my life. Now, the other two we love. Oh, yeah, God speaks, and I get to hear him. That's wonderful. And God gets me, God's, oh, that's wonderful. But now God gets to boss me around? Nobody's telling me what to do. I have my rights, you know. 
I'm just waiting. I, yeah, that'll, that'll kick in in a moment. You see, when he comes as king, it means I will willingly serve God's purpose. God has the right to rule in our lives. He came as the one who was anointed to rule. Not just physically on earth to establish some great uh, nationalistic power, but a God who is in control in the spiritual realm and wants to live in your life. Acts chapter 3, 4, verse 36. So let everyone know in Israel for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be more Lord and Messiah. The Lord chosen by God to rule and reign. Well, God, when will you establish your kingdom? As soon as you let me. Well, we're ready for you to rule. Good. Open your heart and open your life and let me in. Let me be the one who directs your steps. Let me be the one who helps help you throughout life. Romans 14.8, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be both Lord of the living and Lord of the dead. In control. He's chosen, anointed, the Christ the Messiah. And Israel kept calling him the Messiah. They kept calling him the Christ. They kept thinking he was going to establish a physical kingdom on earth. And then he goes away and they're thinking, hold it, what happened? And they didn't understand that where he wanted to rule most was in their lives. Jesus one day understood all of this. And he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Why do you keep telling me I'm in control when you don't let me have control? Why do you keep saying you love me and you want to honor me when you don't allow me to be the Lord of your life? I'm in control, but you have a free will. And will you let me be in control of your life? Well, pastor, I'm just afraid. If I let God be in control of my life, he's probably going to make me be a missionary to some third world country. Or he'll make me live a life that I don't have any fun and I don't get to do anything that I enjoy doing. And all he's there to make life hard and miserable and boring for me. You know, what does he want? He wants to let you be in control. Well, what's he going to do if he's in control of my life? I'm glad you asked that. I'm going to give you two things just real quick that he's going to do. Two verses. John chapter 10, verse 10. Here's what he says. The thief's purpose, Satan's purpose, your purpose if you selfishly live your life, is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, what I want to do in your life, I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. Wow. That's pretty good. I, I like that. I'm, I'm in on that one. But, there, but there's more. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and have Him as the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord of their life. Now, that's my version there. You can read the rest of it saying the same thing. Those who love God are called according to His purpose for them. What's His purpose for you? I'm going to work everything out for your good. I'm going to give you a rich and satisfying life, and I want to cause everything in your life to work out for the best. That's what He wants to do. But sometimes we don't believe that, do we? And in the Old Testament, the prophets spoke, and they didn't always believe that God was going to do what He promised to do. And He said to them at the very beginning, look, if you'll just follow Me, I'll make all your enemies stay away from you. I'll provide you all the food and stuff you need. The land will be better than you can imagine. I will take care of you, and I will give you what you need in life. And if you'll just listen and allow your life to be lived and allow the priest to come and help you know that your sins are forgiven because of the sacrifices you're willing to make, and if you'll just let me rule in you, you will have a rich and satisfying life. And when Christ came, He came as the Anointed One, chosen by God, authorized by God, to be the prophet, the priest, and the king. And we are called Christians, Christ followers, because we believe that. We are followers of the Anointed One. That's what Christmas is. Final verse, Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, you know, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the other prophets, and He asked him. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the, who? Messiah. Messiah. The Son of the living God. The chosen one. The one that came for us. And Jesus said, You're blessed. My Father in heaven's revealed this to you. You didn't learn it from any human being. And I say to you, your Peter means rock. On this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will do everything I promise. I'm the Messiah. That's why he came. That's what's in his name, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed of God, to be the prophet to speak into our lives, to be the priest, to give us access to God and let us drum close, and to be the king, to rule and reign so that we will have a rich and satisfying life. I don't know where you're at with all that. Maybe God's been trying to speak to you and you haven't been listening. You don't want to hear it. You don't like what's being said. You're so distracted. Maybe God feels distance to you and you don't feel close and you don't feel like you have a right to go close to Him and talk to Him because, well, you don't know what I've done. 
I don't, but I know what Jesus Christ has done. Maybe there's a hesitancy to let him rule in your life. Because when you come to Christ, and some of you need to do that this morning, what you're basically saying is, God, I'll stop being the boss and I'll start letting you be in control. I'll stop living for me and I'll start living for you. So is Christ the anointed one? Is he the prophet in your life, the one who speaks? Is he the one who's the priest who brings you closer to God? Is he the one who rules and reigns? It's the questions of the day. Let's pray. Lord, today we celebrate this great time of year. And in the announcement given to the people involved, the Messiah is coming. The Christ is coming. And he comes chosen by God, anointed by God, to fulfill a purpose that only he can fulfill. So Lord, today as we take a moment and just do some inventory in our life, would you help us to be better at listening as you speak to us throughout our life? Would you help us to draw closer to you and enter into your presence willingly and often being aware that you're always available for us? And would you help us to allow you to be in control, to be the Lord of our life so that we can have the life that you came for us to have. Thank you today for what this season means and for what that name means to us this morning. In thy name we pray. Amen. We serve a great God, don't we? Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.